ReopenAmericaResourceCenter.com. Are you struggling personally or professionally because of the coronavirus shutdown? Ready to grow your business and serve more customers and clients? Finally, there's a trustworthy website with resources, relief options, grants, support, and much more for small businesses, nonprofits, and individuals. One location with all the information. It's time to get back to work, life, and reopen America. Visit ReopenAmericaResourceCenter.com today. The ultimate resource platform to help you in every way. This is Everything Home, the transformational show about life, laughter, and the pursuit of happiness delivered by good people doing good business and good things. Let's take the word freedom. Wouldn't it be great to have more professional freedom, personal freedom, and how about financial freedom? Every week, Michelle Swinnick, the queen of quality content, interviews experts, entrepreneurs, professionals, and purpose-driven people to share their stories, their passions, and provide real-life, tangible takeaways. Get ready to be entertained, yet learn some incredible information. This is Everything Home, and this is Michelle Swinnick. Americans for Limited Government is a nonpartisan nationwide network committed to advancing free market reforms, private property rights, and core American liberties. This country is in a very sad state when you need an organization that's dedicated to fighting for the survival of America by restoring constitutionally limited government, allowing individuals to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. We were founded on those principles. And it's what makes the United States of America the greatest country that's ever existed. But we're in jeopardy of losing her forever on November 3rd, or two months later, after the Democrats find tens of thousands of fake votes in the trunks of people's cars. (laughs) In many ways, the Democrats, big tech companies, and deep state coronavirus pandemic has backfired on them. Because as they say on Bar Rescue, we pull back the doors and bust open the books to reveal what the left has been doing for the past 50 years to destroy this country. And finally, they've shown their true colors. It's like they've taken off their masks and their agendas and intentions are finally staring us in the face. China, (laughs) where do I begin? Our education system and the indoctrination of our youth to hate freedom and not appreciate how fortunate they are to have been born here. It makes you wonder, what's wrong with their parents? Or perhaps the cleverly crafted divisive narrative that systemic racism runs to the very core of our nation. Or the infamous quote by Barack Hussein Obama on October 30th, 2008. We are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Do you remember what Michelle Obama said on May 14th, 2008? Barack knows that we are gonna have to make sacrifices We are going to have to change our conversation. We're going to have to change our traditions, our history. We're going to have to move into a different place uh, as a nation. Who knew that those two brainwashing modern-day American, I'm using air quote, pioneers would be setting us up to live in a world only 12 years later we are reimagining the police and defunding them, not to mention having no regard for law and order, and where Black Lives Matter and Antifa, two terrorist groups who riot, loot, burn buildings, 
tear down statues, murder police, and threaten innocent Americans are celebrated, certainly not arrested. But a couple like Mark and Patricia McCloskey are indicted on gun charges for legally defending their property and their lives. We're at war, people, and it's going to get worse as we approach Election Day. And if the left doesn't win, then literally all hell is going to break loose. The upside? We did win. The direction of the country has never been more clear. Your decision has never been more clear. You've seen it play out in front of your unmasked, or if you've chosen to be a sheet masked face over the past seven months. Do you want freedom and opportunity, prosperity and patriotism? Do you believe in the American dream? Then vote for Donald Trump. If you want socialist enslavement, destruction, economic despair, poverty, civil unrest, lawlessness, loss of your First Amendment, loss of your Second Amendment, elimination of your freedom of religion, and complete government control of your life, then go vote for Harris-Biden. <laughs> I mean, Biden-Harris. And continue the plan of the Obamas and friends to dismantle our amazing country. And mark your calendars for Wednesday, January 20th, 2021, when you'll be standing in a soup line having buyer's remorse. Today's topic, Americans for Limited Government. You couldn't be more opposite than Biden. My special guest is a true patriot, Rick Manning, the president of Americans for Limited Government. How are you today, Rick? I'm doing great, Michelle. It's a great day here in Washington, D.C., beautiful skies. And, uh, you know, every day I get to take a breath so I can fight for freedom in America is a day that uh, God has given me to do that. And I just praise him for it. You know, we're so thankful to have someone like you on the front lines in such a critical time. And, you know, your job must be so exhausting. I mean, you live and work in D.C., the swamp, right, where everything is just yep. kind of in bizarro land at this point. And, you know, your day probably consists of explaining common sense and repeating yourself and battling the deep state and just looking at people going, what are you thinking? Why would you do that? I give you much kudos for that, but you know, when I was doing my research for the show, what I admired most was on your Twitter profile, the first word that you have is Christian. And our mutual friend, Clay Clark, always references Matthew 5.10, blessed are those right. who are persecuted for righteousness sake and for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And is your faith is what keeping you sane in all of this? And is that what really has chosen you to protect our country and is that your purpose yeah you think yeah god listen every single day i remind myself that god's in control that i'm not in control the way of the world isn't on my shoulders that god is in control and as a result you know you become kind of empowered to do what you're called to do you know clay clark talks about matthew chapters of matthew i'm an ephesians 2:10 guy and, you know, it's uh, that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do works that God laid out before us. We're God's masterpiece. We've been created for a purpose. And I am blessed that I've been able to find that purpose. And as a result, when things get hard, yeah, things do, and they do, I know that at least this is what I'm meant to be doing. And so that you can't be frustrated when you're getting to do what you're meant to do. When you get frustrated is when you're doing, not doing what you're meant to be doing. And what's more, I have on my little behind my desk, uh, on my bookcases, obviously I have pictures of my wife and other things, but I've got a, a big wooden uh, plaque that says, Live Dangerously for Christ. And behind it, I've got a statue of Don Quixote, which is 
you know, effectively what we're called to do. We're supposed to attack windmills and we're supposed to try to do the impossible because through Christ, all things are possible. So it's a, we're not supposed to limit ourselves based on, you know, what people say can be done. We're supposed to figure out how to get done what's supposed to be done. And part of that is in how we live. And part of that is how we kind of refuse to be cowed by conventions that say you can't do stuff. You can't accomplish stuff. You can't achieve. It's never been done that way. No. And everybody in every walk of life faces that. It's not just being politics. Everybody faces the, you know, it's never been done that way, people, when you know there's got to be a better way to do it. Every single great invention overcame somebody who said it's never been done that way. So don't get trapped in the construct of, that's created for you by the world. Be in the construct that's created for you by Christ and by God. You know, that's an interesting point. And when I hear that from people and they say, you can't do that or that's not been done, that actually gives me power. And it gives me encouragement to prove them wrong. It's almost like, ooh, don't you dare me because now I'm going to go do it. Now I'm going to actually, I'm going to put all my effort into it just to prove you wrong. So exactly that's a, right. It's, it's a great I'm reminder. You know, say, we have to be bold. In politics, that translates to you have the media sit there and constantly telling you what you're supposed to think. And they're constantly trying to tell you what you can think, what you can say, what you can do. And you know what? All they have is the money to be able to deliver their message. What they don't have is anything that's relational. You have, every single person listening to this has relations with other people. And you have more power with those people you have a relationship with than the media has with them. But you want it, what those who want to control is through the, whether it's the internet or the over the air media, what they want to do is they want us to be defeated, feel like, oh, we can't win. The historical imperative is on their side, which is Marx. You know, you're on the wrong side of history, which is Marx. But no, we're not on the wrong side of history because we know God wins. They're on the wrong side of history. Freedom wins. The human heart longs for freedom. So we have a responsibility to reach that part of the human heart that says, I want to be free. And that is something we can bring to our neighbors, our friends and others in a way that uh, others can't. And we only have a few weeks left to save the freedom that we have. I mean, we're going to focus today on what it is that makes this country great and why is America worth saving? Because in a couple of weeks from now, on the 3rd of November, people have, it's a major turning point. If Trump wins, we're going to be okay. If Biden wins, it will never be the same. And people are not realizing the destruction that's going to happen. And the fact that they think that their freedoms are being encroached on now because things are closed and they can't go to church and they have to wear a mask. That's the tip of the iceberg. Just a small fraction of what's going to happen. And I want people to really understand what makes this country so great and why it's worth saving. I might go on a little bit of a five-minute thing here, so I I warn people in advance. America was founded under a principle that all men are created equal, endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights, amongst these life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, obviously, over the perfecting of the union, the word man has become people, and it's good that it's become people. But understand this, the fundamental principle of man, the DNA of America, The DNA of America is that we are 
created equal by our creator, endowed by God, not government, endowed by God, with certain inalienable rights, things they can't take away from you. They are from God. They are yours. They're not the government's decide if you can exercise them or not. And going to church is one of those things, by the way. So you have those inalienable rights that you have as an individual. And guess what? Every person created in the world has these individual rights. The difference is our government was founded on that principle that you are in charge, not the government, that you have the power, not the government. Every other government on earth has been, was founded, has been founded on the principle that the government is in charge, and whatever you get to do, they let you do. That's the fundamental fight we have right now. The fundamental fight is whether you're in charge or the government's in charge. So when you think about it, so our very DNA is at stake. People don't realize that about six months later, the dream of America was about to die. Our troops were at Valley Forge. They're freezing to death. They were under-equipped. They had no money. And most of their contracts to be on, in the Army ended on January 1, 1777. George Washington had a problem. He put his own money in. He put his own money in to try to close his get food for the troops. He constantly was begging the Continental Congress to provide resources. But it was dire. And people were dying of disease and, and just plain simple being cold. And so George Washington had a problem because the morale was absolutely low and people couldn't wait to go home and resume their lives and give up on this dream. He had an idea. He said he marched them north and crossed the Delaware River on Christmas Eve and attacked Trenton, where the German mercenaries were there having a Christmas party. He attacked, he attacked them. He won the Battle of Trenton. And he restored and he saved the country because those same men were frozen, cold, and demoralized, had just achieved a victory. They just saw the possibility that they could win. They just saw that they were able to stand up to the powerful European consort that was against them, Great Britain and then the hired Hessians, and they won. They won a battle, and it invigorated them with spirit. George Washington brought in people to train his troops so they would be able to engage on a battlefield and know what they were doing against the most powerful army in the world. And over a course of years, America was free. But it was one man, George Washington, looking at an impossible situation and coming and getting an idea. Let's get a victory. And doing something which wasn't done at the time, fording a river at night and attacking an opponent and, and by surprise, and as a result, routing an opponent, routing is the enemy. That's America. When faced with dire circumstances, we don't cower, we don't cry, we don't kneel. What we do is we figure out a way to win and we do it. You go to Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln is sitting there, and he's sitting there in Gettysburg five months after the, Gettysburg, after the Battle of Gettysburg. The blood is, all, is practically still on the field. You can see the field is pockmarked with cannon, with cannon fire, with the, literally the places where people fell dead and were stacked like cordwood. The cemetery was all around. There wasn't any statues up or anything like that. The buildings were all blown to bits or, in, uh, or filled with bullet holes, mini ball holes. And you had the field, and the field was raw. The field was raw. An orator, the most famous orator of the time, 
who nobody remembers his name, at least I don't, got up and gave an hour and a half speech, an hour and a half speech about the, what happened on that battlefield. Abraham Lincoln got up and gave a speech that's about 400 words. And it's very simple. It was about the very essence of what those men died for. Tens of thousands of men who died. And it starts, four score, so you've all heard this, four score, seven years ago, our fathers brought forth a great, great nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to, okay. And it's a very profound speech. Take your time, your kids, your grandkids, your friends. It's very simple. Have them look at that speech. Talk to them about that speech. Say, hey, you know, when we get together this weekend, we're going to talk about something that's a little different. We're going to take a look at this speech. And why was it important? You don't have to be a historian to know why it's important. If you read it, you'll know why it's important. Because it defines why equality is important in terms of equality of opportunity. Be created equal, the DNA of America. You fast forward 80 years. And we had General McAuliffe at Bastogne was surrounded by Germans. It was 1944. America had landed on Normandy and Omaha Beach, suffered grievous losses. The German army was desperate to throw the Americans out to have a victory. And they put all their eggs in one place, and that was in Belgium in a battle known as Battle of the Bulge. General McAuliffe was in Bastogne. He, had he was in charge of the 101st Airborne. Most people don't realize he was the acting general in charge of the 101st Airborne. And he was surrounded. The Germans sent an emissary to demand their surrender. Well, what happened was McAuliffe took one look at the note, and he said, ah, nuts. Now, McAuliffe didn't cuss. He was one, distinguished by, unlike Patton, he was not a guy who ever cussed. The American generals were trying to figure out how to respond to the Germans by telling them no. And finally, after about half an hour, they said they just put one word on a piece of paper. They put nuts and UTS. And the Germans looked at him and said, what are you doing? You're giving us a, you're sending us legumes? What, what is this? <laughs> and the general took him aside and he said, it means go to hell. The Germans huh. bombarded the 101st Airborne for four days. They didn't send their tanks in because of the civilian casualties that would have occurred and they would have been massive. But they bombarded the 101st Airborne and attempted to take their will away through constant bombardment. Remember, they controlled the skies. We didn't. Four days later, the Americans broke through, an armored crew broke through to Bestone, resupplying the troops, resupplying the 101st Airborne. And at that moment, the Germans' backs were broken at the Battle of the Bulge. And from then on, the German army was in constant retreat until finally Berlin fell. Nuts. One man saying, I'm not going to kneel. I'm not going to surrender. I'm going to stand for freedom. And you may kill me, but I will not kneel to you. One man. We've seen that with Kennedy setting a site in 1961 when the Russians were, the Soviets were taking we're ahead of us in the space race. And the military were threatening to militarize space in a way that would have been an existential threat to the United States and to the world, for that matter. He said a vision. He said that we're going to go to the moon by the end of the decade. 
Now, today in Washington, D.C., you know, we can't even get a request for proposal completed in a decade. <laughs> we can't get a military system up and running in 20 years. So almost, you know, so you think about this. We didn't have handheld devices, for those of you listening who don't know this. Our computer <laughs> systems were take up entire buildings for the capacity that exists in your hand right now. They use something called slide rules to figure out trajectories and figure out the math on how to do things. It was all manual. They figured out, they didn't know, if you landed on the moon, what would happen? Was the moon covered with dust? Was it a, they had theories, but they didn't know. We lost astronauts on the launching pads from the Apollo program, where the rocket just blew up on the launching pad. 1969, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin, with Michael Collins flying the command capsule above the moon. Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong stood on the moon and they planted the American flag, accomplishing the impossible in eight years. Ronald Reagan said, Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Gorbachev, you know, everybody focuses on that. And they think, oh, well, it's inevitable that we're going to win. That's the, the saying now. Well, let me tell you what Gorbachev said. Go to the Reagan Library sometime and read this. It's amazing. Assuming that California retains it, so he doesn't decide to leave the country and they have to move the Reagan Library. So go to the Reagan Library. It's, it's really <laughs> That's phenomenal. the carve-out. We're it's, just going to keep that. It's, it's the carve-out, yeah. Yeah, we'll keep the Reagan Library. We'll, and we'll keep Orange County and San Diego County. Um, <laughs> right, but, the uh, and where I grew up. And, and where I grew up, uh, Riverside County and then around. We don't, they can keep from L.A. County north of Long Beach to exactly. San Francisco, and we'll get the rest. Because California, totally by fine. and large, is a great state. Go to the Reagan Library. Here's what Gorbachev says. It was bitter cold in Reykjavik, Iceland, when Gorbachev and Reagan met. It was so cold that Gorbachev bundled up in his best Moscow warm gear with furs and the like to keep him warm. He pulls up in his limo, and he looks out the window, he and his wife, Reza. They look out the window, and there's Ronald Reagan standing, ramrod firm. Ronald Reagan was taller than the average man his age. But he's standing there, ramrod firm in a suit, no jacket, no gloves, no scarf, no headgear. Gorbachev reports, he took one look and he said, we can't beat that man. That man, we cannot beat America. The message that Ronald Reagan gave to Gorbachev was we are resolute. We will not be deterred. We are for freedom. You can be with us or you can be against us, but you will not prevail. One man, standing in bitter cold, sending a very direct message to somebody who lived in a place which was bitter cold for him. That's America. So when we face the problems we have today, I want people to understand, throughout history, great people have made the difference between freedom and failure. Great people have stood up in their own way, have inspired others to be the leaders that they needed to be or to be the followers they needed to be, to use their influence with others the way it needed to be done. And I would argue that in today's world, while I don't compare Donald Trump to Ronald Reagan, General McAuliffe, Lincoln, or Kennedy, or George Washington, for that matter, or Thomas Jefferson, because he's a unique person, but I believe in this time and this trouble, there's only one person who can step up and say, 
we're not doing it the way that's always been done. We're not going to continue giving ourselves, our country away to China. We're not going to sit there and accept that we be, that essentially America is to be hollowed out for the benefit of the rest of the world. Who would stand up and say, no, we're not going to have our freedom of speech deterred by those who want to only allow the speech of the left to be, to be allowed. A person who isn't a philosophical person, who's a practical person, who doesn't understand the machinations of Washington, D.C., at least he didn't. So he's naive to it. But you know what he didn't know? He didn't know what couldn't be done because he didn't mm-hmm. know what couldn't be done. We're having peace breaking out in the Middle East. All the experts said you had to go through the Palestinians to have peace. Palestinians don't, exi- don't recognize Israel's right to exist. They could never be the way through peace because the only way you could get peace with them is to have Israel dead. So what he said is we're not going through the Palestinians. We're not going through the Iranians. We're going to go to the states, the Arab states, who are being attacked by the Iranians who are essentially funding the Palestinians, and we're going to go through them, and we're going to talk to them directly, and we're going to create peace deals for Israel that solidifies the region. Peace has to come through the Palestinians. What's happening now is the Palestinians are isolated. They've been isolated to such an extent that their Arab neighbors are saying to them, you need to make a deal because if you don't make a deal, there won't be land left for you. Now, Donald Trump's reelected the next four years. There will be peace in the Middle East because Saudi Arabia will sign a deal mm-hmm. and the Palestinians will be isolated. But he's not doing it the way everybody else said it could be done. And people have a vested interest in the status quo. They spent years developing it. Joe Biden is the status quo. You may not remember it, but he is. And <laughs> exactly. so you have a, so the bottom line is, if we, if, you know, definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing the same way, expect a different result. Well, Donald Trump does stuff different ways. And all the people in D.C. who have a vested interest in the way it was always done, hate him. And they'll do everything they can to bring down his government bring down America's government. And the only thing that stands between them and success is us. Mm-hmm. We've watched Donald Trump fight for us for three and a half years. This last 25 days before the election, it's time for us to fight for him. I don't mean punch people out. I don't mean go into Portland and fight with Antifa. What I mean is the people who you can influence, the people who you know, the people who are your friends, the people who sit there and complain at the bar about the way things are, but seemingly never vote, okay? Make sure they vote. Don't just tell them, say, I'm going to take you down right now and so you can vote. Be an active participant in this election. Do not allow people who would vote for the president to have regrets on November 4 that they didn't do so. You have far more influence. Every single person listening here has far more influence on five to ten people in your circle, sometimes more, than I do, than the president does, than anybody in the news media does. The question is, are you going to be the person who exercises that influence and takes the risk that somebody you know and love may disappoint you and may even shun you because they disagree? But if you're not willing to take that risk for the country, What are you willing to take the risk for? Well, since we've been in this battle, for the most part, three and a half years already, anyone that's already left you because (laughs) they're 
a liberal and which I've had many friends that have unfriended me or just don't want to have a conversation anymore that I've been friends with for like 15, 20 years. And that's fine. What am I going to do? I you can't control that. The only good part about that is most of those people are already gone. So you don't necessarily have to worry so much that this time around you're going to have a conversation and then they're going to disappoint you. So try to think of it that way uh, for the most part to give people some encouragement to go have those conversations with their friends and their contacts and their family members, because we need to step up to the plate here. Like you said, there's a couple of weeks left and it is, I don't want to say do or die because we're obviously we're not going to die, but America's going to die. If Biden wins, then as I mentioned before, everything's going to change. Your second amendment gone. First Amendment is going to be drastically changed that you're not even going to recognize it. That's a major thing. If you don't like Trump and his demeanor, you've got to put that to the side because it's not about him. It's about us in this country. As you said, he's the only person that can get anything accomplished and take us to the next level because he doesn't do it the way that the entire city of Washington, D.C. runs. And that's the only way that we're going to be able to keep this country moving forward because there's such a strong force against it that you need somebody like him who's going to say whatever he needs to say and not care what somebody thinks because he's going to get backlash no matter what. I mean, he could cure cancer. They'll find a problem with it. So, and he knows that. And he doesn't have to do this. And that's the part that I respect most about him is that he can do whatever he wants. He didn't have to get into this, whether, you know, say it was for ego. I really don't think it was. I mean, he saw problems. He knew he's a problem solver and he loves this country and he wanted to give back because it's so much for him. And I mean, you've met him before, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. And every single person that I've met that has been around him or I know, the way that you see him come off on television is not who he really is. And, you know, maybe do you want to go into that a little bit? Sure. To talk about his personality and, and his real passion for this country and people, as opposed to someone go, I just don't like his demeanor I'll, or I'll his it, tone. Yeah. I'm tired of the word the tone. Be, the I don't want to hear way, that the ever best way again. To describe it, yeah, yeah. The best way to describe it is I would rather have a brawler for this country than a statesman who doesn't get, who doesn't get anything done. You know, Donald Trump understands that the battle he's in is a brawl. The other side doesn't play by any rules. They have Mm -hmm. debate moderators who are objectively on the other side. The USA Today moderator in the uh, Pence-Harris debate is writing a book with Nancy Pelosi. Okay? Mm -hmm. Let's just be clear. The debate moderator who's supposed to be in the next one was an intern for Joe Biden. Does anybody think that, you know, this debate commission is sitting there saying, oh, yeah, well, we're finding fair and balanced uh, debate moderators. No, they're not doing that. Donald Trump understands after spending three and a half years discovering that the entirety of the intelligence establishment in this country tried to conduct a coup against his presidency. He understands the battle he's in. So, yeah, excuse me if I'm not concerned that he is the street brawler, because if he wasn't a street brawler, they would have broken him in the last three and a half years. So. More significantly than that, and because the personality is personality, I want people to understand a simple thing. Yesterday, Joe Biden said that he wasn't going to tell the American public whether he was going to pack the Supreme Court or not. 
For those people who are not aware of what packing the Supreme Court is, essentially what it means is one side decides that we're not going to get the judicial decisions we want out of the court. And so we're going to add a bunch more justices, a bunch more judges onto the Supreme Court. So we have a majority of the judges who are on our side. And by the way, there's nothing in the Constitution that says they can't do that. So the Constitution doesn't define how many justices are on the Supreme Court. So what you have is, with what Joe Biden and the senators, uh, Senate is talking about, is a direct attempt to overturn the results of the Trump presidency and victories by Republicans in presidential elections over the years, which has resulted in, as many, once Amy Barrett is confirmed, six justices who should be, who purportedly lean to the right. I'm not going to say Justice Ro- Chief Justice Roberts does. I'm going to say it's more like five. Purportedly, yeah. yeah, purportedly lean to the right. What that means is by taking over, by adding justices, what the Democrats are saying is we want the court to be nothing more than a rubber stamp for whatever we want to do. So that's why this is important. Joe Biden, who's been in politics for 47 years, who's the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, who presumably understands what this means, doesn't want you to know what he would do under those circumstances because he knows that if you knew that the attempt, what they were going to do is they were going to eliminate the independence of the judiciary with one fell swoop, they were going to do that so they could pass whatever they wanted to and call it constitutional, then you would understand why this is so important, why this is different. Because the other side will not accept that we exist. They've made that clear. And they will not accept the concepts that laid out in the judiciary, three equal, co-equal branches of government, where you have a judicial branch that can defend the Constitution when the executive and the legislative branches are, you know, aren't. They're going to eliminate that. They're going to eliminate the filibuster in the Senate. Filibuster is very simple. It's a Senate rule. So you just eliminate by eliminating the Senate rule. You need 60 votes to pass legislation. Well, why do they need to eliminate the filibuster? Because they want to create two new states, D.C. and Puerto Rico, which will give them four Democratic senators out of D.C. and Puerto Rico with an attempt to ensure that they never lose control of the Senate again. Why do they want to do that? Well, it's pretty simple. It allows them, let's say the Democrats have 51 votes in the Senate and they eliminate the filibuster. It allows them to not have Joe Manchin and other Democrats from more conservative states to have to vote on anything that's, a, that's crazy because they'll have 51 crazies, 50 crazies plus the vice president, or in, if they add two states, 52 crazies plus the vice president. It's a, that's the objective. The objective is to be able to cover the, allow the more conservative appearing Democrats to be able to cover their tracks while still doing crazy stuff. You'll have socialized medicine, guaranteed. You will have laws which will continue the shutdowns that we're seeing now, and there's nothing that anybody will be able to do about them. You will have your Second Amendment, and I was an NRA lobbyist for nine years. You will have your Second Amendment stripped. They'll say they're only going to go after certain guns, but the fact of the matter is they'll go after all your guns. And they won't even be subtle about it because, you know, the Heller decision, it was five to four. You pack the court, the Heller decision is gone. You have no individual right to keep and bear arms. They declare that it's really the militia and the National Guard is the militia, not you. Suddenly you have no individual right to keep and bear arms in spite of over 240 years of history. 
That's what's at stake here. You want to go to church? Well, the government's now and states are telling you that you can't go to church unless the government approves it. You think if you like that, well, you're going to love having the federal government tell you you can't go to church unless they approve it. Because guess what they're not going to do? They're not going to approve going to churches that actually teach the Bible. Because remember, the idea that there's sin in the world is hate speech. So yeah, they'll tear out entire pages of the Bible and say, you can say what you want to do. You just can't say that Jesus is that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, the only way the Father is through the Son, as Jesus said in John 14, 6. They'll say that because that's exclusionary. You won't be able to say that, that homosexuality is a sin as defined in the Bible. That's exclusionary. That's hate speech. So apart from being able to actually talk about what's in the Bible and being able to preach what's in the Bible, you'll be able to go to church as long as the text of the pastor's uh, sermons are approved by the government. So, you know, if you love China, we're moving there because that's what our country will become. If you love China, by the way, you're really going to like the Biden presidency. Not only is Joe Biden financially tied up with uh, China through his son, Hunter, but Kamala Harris's husband, Doug Emhoff, is a, as a partner in DLA Piper, the law firm. By the way, they've cleaned up their website, but as a partner at DLA Piper, mm-hmm. he was doing the deals, China deals, along with members who were part of the DLA Piper firm, who were part of the People's Liberation Army of China, the Communist Party Army in China. That's who Kamala Harris's husband was partners with, the DLA Piper. And his job was to do intellectual property in China, which means transfer U.S. intellectual property to China. You have nobody who's more conflicted on China than Kamala Harris. So what do you expect them to put America first? Put you first? I don't think so. So it's pretty, it's a pretty stark choice, but you know, everybody gets to make it and every one of us gets to decide what we're going to do. And this is a free country. We need to demand fair elections and proper elections. We need to make certain that people aren't voting more times than they should. We need poll watchers to contact your local parties and say, I want to be a poll watcher. I want to make sure that the elections are safe and, and that they're fair. If we lose, majority of Americans legitimately pick the other side then we fight like crazy, but it's, it's really hard to, to imagine a scenario where we come back. But America will at least chosen honestly. And that's what we just got to have. I don't want to say have faith, but we know that the Democrats are going to cheat. They're going to, mm-hmm. their ballots are going to show up because it happens every election. And we're not exaggerating that. That's actual factual information. So it's just a matter of getting enough people to actually go to the polls so that the numbers and the votes and the electoral college wins in favor of Trump on the third. And then they're going to have a huge battle in the courts. They're going to have large amounts of found ballots. And God only knows how that's going to turn out. But if we can do our part to have the election won on the third, then we've done all we can, then basically then start praying pretty hard that it goes in our favor. That's exactly right. The, let me give you a simple fact for those of you who go to church. 58% of people go, who go to church part of full-time voted in the 2016 election. At 58%, the average voter turnout is over 70%. So churchgoers actually turn out significantly significantly lower rate than non-churchgoers. Why? Well, that's a great question. I think that some people who go to church sit there and say, you know, I believe in God, not in government. And they're right. They're they're right. 
And so they don't see why they should be involved in government. There's a, and there's some Christian background to that, but it's a, we're no longer talking about whether, you know, passive benign government. We're talking about government to decide whether you can go to church. I've never been able to say that before, you know, without it being like tinfoil hat. But the fact is, we see that all over the country. So we, this is no longer hypothetical. This is real. If you go to church, get the turnout in your, talk to people and get the turnout in your church to be 72, 75%. You don't even have to get them to tell them why they should turn out in terms of get them to say, I'm voting for Donald Trump or for Joe Biden. You don't have to get that done because 75% of the, pe- of the people who go to church are going to vote for, Joe, for uh, Donald Trump. So you're going to get three out of four of the people who you get from your church to go to vote. On average, you're going to vote for Donald Trump in this election. Now, it's up to you to, to provide them with the information so they understand what's at stake in the election so they can see the compare and contrast. But you don't even have to tell them that you support Donald Trump. All you have to do is get them to see Trump stands for X, Y, and Z. And I would say, you know, you can talk about abortion. You can talk about any number of faith issues. And then you can say what Biden agrees with. And Biden's Roman Catholic. So he's playing that up hard in the Roman Catholic community. But the fact is, you know, the Roman Catholic Church still is pro-life. And so that should be pretty easy to explain. But it's even worse than the idea of choice here. What Kamala Harris and Joe Biden have agreed to in terms of abortion is they've opposed the ending of late-term abortion. Even if you buy the clump of cells argument, which we know isn't true, even if you buy that, Nobody agrees with Governor Ralph Northam or Governor Cuomo from New York. Cuomo signed a bill that allows a baby to be killed after it's born. Isn't that insane? That just, that, I I can't get my arms around it. I mean, I get that they say, oh, women's choice, but, you know, that, I mean, it's a lie. You cannot debate whether it is, when does does the life start? That's out of it. Yeah, it's alive. And. But as a doctor or even a mother, like, how could you do that? I mean, there's got to be something wrong with you mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. There's no way to explain it. There's something wrong with you. Governor Ralph Northam in Virginia is an obstetrician, or maybe a pediatrician, but he's a doctor. And on tape, he said that if baby was born and was was disabled, they would leave the baby on the table and have a discussion with the mother about what to do. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the evil that, that, that it takes to, to do that? That's what's at stake. It's, you know, so this isn't really hard. You don't have to get into deep philosophical discussions. Everybody agrees, except for a radical few, that killing a baby after it's born is wrong. Mm-hmm. That killing a baby that would live and be viable on its own outside the mother's womb, is wrong. Kamala Harris and Joe Biden support killing babies who are viable. Once again, you don't have to have a discussion about lumps of cells and all that stuff that the left wants to divine this to. Have a discussion about a seven-month-old baby. Bring, have a, everybody's seen the sonograms and say, this is what they want. This is who they want to kill. You were born, you know, I was born in seven months, some couple of days. <laughs> no, I was barely viable. I was in an incubator for a few weeks trying to get me, you know, more viable. I'm not sure they fully succeeded. But from a practical perspective, 
any preemie is eligible to be killed after the fact, under what, after the birth. Even a full-term baby is eligible to be killed in New York if it's viewed as being flawed in some way, because abortion is an absolute right. And as long as the umbilical cord is still attached, that baby is still attached to the mother. That's the rationale. So, yeah, this is a pretty important thing. The evil is evil. We have to stand up against it. That's the perfect word. It's evil because there's no other way to explain it. I mean, if the mother doesn't want the baby, there's tens of thousands of people out there, parents who or want to be parents, would love to adopt a baby. They wait years. So there are homes for the baby, the people that actually want to love it, the baby and take care of it. So that's the other part that I can't get my arms around. I mean, if there was if there was no resources, no nothing, then I mean, killing is just wrong, but maybe that's where you could say, maybe that's their logic, which there is no logic. If you don't want it, that's okay. Then there's places where people do want the baby. So give it away. It's very easy to do. You know what I mean? They even tell you now, if you don't want your baby and you just had it, go drop it off at a fire station. You could go drop your baby off at a fire station if you don't want the baby. It's like almost taking the garbage out to the curb. So... (laughs) Why can't they just go, you know what I mean? If that means there's literally evil with that doctor or that person that thinks that that's okay. Right. If you can literally just drop it off somewhere and you choose to kill it, that's evil. And that's the direction we're headed. That's who's going to be evil. That is evil. evil. And we have, and you know, that's what's on the ballot. So, you know, there's a lot of things on the ballot. Your job is on the ballot. Your livelihood's on the ballot. Your education's on the ballot. Your freedom. But you'll be poor. You'll be poor. But you know what? Your future grandchild's on the ballot. You asked initially about Donald Trump's character and stuff. And let me just share a quick thing that I personally was saw. I was in a meeting where it was during, uh, I think, a government shutdown at some point. And I was in a meeting. It was in the Roosevelt Room of the White House, which is just off of the Oval Office. And Vice President Pence was there, and Jared Kushner was there, and all the a lot of the staff that you guys would know were there and a few of us were around the table and Donald Trump comes in and he had just seen the Ralph Northam video. He went off for 20 minutes. There's a way that only Donald Trump can talking about how evil it was, how unbelievable it was. And for all those people who think, Oh, this guy's a New York city developer, playboy, blah, blah, blah. And I don't relate to him because he's had multiple wives and you know, he's, he's, not lived, lived a Christian life, let's just be clear. He never took drugs, by the way, but he's not lived what would be viewed as a Christian life. I want you to know that Donald Trump unplugged raw when he saw that video was so outraged, so upset. They said they're killing babies. It was as simple as that. They're killing babies. They say it's okay to kill babies. These people are nuts. They're crazy. 20 minutes of Donald Trump just being Donald Trump riffing on that and outrage. I saw the heart of the man. He's a decent man. He understands what evil is, and he understands what good is. And, oh, by the way, if God needed all the leaders to be perfect, David would have been in real trouble. So just know that you can be a man after God's own heart and still have sinned in ways that you and I can't imagine, because David did. Donald Trump, I saw his heart in that moment, and he understands good and evil. And he's going to protect that. And that's what you have to keep in mind. He's going to fight like crazy for it. He's going to fight like crazy for it because he understands it. 
So if you don't think he's going yeah. to do it, he's been doing it. He's been fighting it. Yep. The obstacles that they have thrown at him, there's almost nothing left that they could possibly do to try to stop this man from actually making this country better for every American in every single way. I mean, there's nothing. I mean, there's nobody on this planet that could have put up with all of this crap from every direction that he gets it. There's not one person on this planet that could have put up with it and still go to work every day and not completely just either quit or have a mental breakdown. So you have somebody who's so strong, and that's because he's supposed to be doing it. The prophet, Kim Clement, said he was sent from God. I mean, people say that, and then, you know, they look at you funny. But the strength that he has, the passion, and the endurance, not a lot of people have that. And then to be able to, I, I, to continue to put up with what he does and still keep going, because he's fighting for our freedom, and he's fighting for our liberty, and he's fighting for this country. And that's the last part. Uh, in terms of things that people can do, you can always pray for our country. Pray for Donald Trump. Pray for Melania. Pray for the vice president. Pray for Nancy Pelosi. Pray that her heart gets broken for Christ. Pray that her heart gets broken away from evil because God can do anything. And so, you know, these prayers are not partisan prayers, but these prayers are beseeching God to continue to bless America because for all objective reasons, you look around, you see what our country is and has become. Is God still willing to bless America? Well, pray that he gives us a chance. He gives us another chance because if God's not blessing America, the rest of it doesn't matter. So for those of you who are religiously inclined, that is, a, that is something you can do and to do the other stuff. But at the very bare minimum, pray for our nation, pray for the president, and pray for strength. And for the people who are choosing our leaders to do so wisely. It's a, once again, God is in control. He likes getting the uh, polling data in from the public. So weigh in and let him know what you think. <laughs> I think you're right on. It's almost like he's testing us. He wants to know, do you guys really want this? I'm getting emotional. He wants to know, do you guys really want this? Because I'll make it happen, but you've got to show me care. You've got to show me that you believe in it and you really want it. Because if you didn't take it for granted, I'm not going to put the effort in. If you're not going to, then why should I? So you've got to show me that you really want this. And then I'll make it happen. And I'll take care of all these crazy people on the left. You won't have to worry about them. But you got to be in it. you got to have skin in the game. And you got to show me that you really want it. Because other than that, otherwise, why should I spend my time if you guys aren't going to do your part? And that's what we need to do now. We have to do our part. We have to talk to your friends, get them out to vote, go vote because there's no reason why you can't go to the polls. I don't care what you see on the news or TV or what you hear. And get your friends to go vote. Go vote for Trump on the November 3rd, because it's up to us. If we don't make this happen, it's over. It's over. Scary. You think masks and shutdowns and not being able to go to church? That's state control, and you said it earlier. Now, times a million federal control. It's over. Anything else, Rick, before we go? I feel badly making you cry. But oh, no, a, I cry all the time when we have I'm a, passionate. Well, you know, if you played the Field of Dreams at the end, I'd have been crying too. No, this is simple. And get on your knees and pray for the country. Ask God what you should be doing to help this country. 
and do it. Life's pretty simple when you break it down. Yeah, do your part, people. It's time. Listen to this show again. Maybe that's what you need as a little a reminder. I mean, I'll give you a quick personal story. When I was doing the outline last night, I was doing my intro. And I just literally took a couple hours because I got into it. And then as I was typing and sharing what I really felt, uh, it gave me, it empowered me. I was like, this is what I've been thinking. This is what I say. But when I put it in print and then I read it, I said, I got to do something. So that's kind of like, you know, amped up today and, and emotional. But I didn't realize I know the direction that it can go and what, what's going to happen if Trump doesn't win. But when I typed it all out and then read it, I said, oh, my God, this is real. It gave me the incentive and the power now to go do something. A couple weeks left. Maybe that's what people need to do. Even if you only have five minutes, do it for five minutes. Like you said, Gettysburg Address, right? You want people to listen to that. You just need that one little something to connect with. Things will look different. It's, it, it is amazing. It happened to me last night. So take five minutes and just really think about it. And yep. then go do something, get involved. Wow. I'd like to close with one thing. I, the part in the middle of this where it was kind of from a speech I gave a couple of weeks ago, or like this past weekend, I guess, you were kind enough to urge me to kind of go through that because it was designed for encouragement that we can make a difference. But understand a simple thing. The most common phrase in the Bible is be not afraid. Don't be afraid. Fear not. It's put a lot of different ways. Be strong and courageous. It's a, and understand, everyone feels fear. Courage is overcoming fear. God tells us not to be paralyzed by fear, recognizing that we all feel it by fear. Do not be afraid. Encourage others who are, because all encouragement is, is giving courage to others. So we have that also. You're venturing into strange areas, it's scary. Remember, be not afraid, for the Lord, my God, is with me. You know what's trending on Twitter right now? Trust in the Lord. No. <laughs> I that think is great. I think, I think it's the sign. It's, I'm staring at it on the screen. Trust in the Lord. Trending. When does Lord ever trend on Twitter or God? Yeah. It's a sign. Wow. It is a sign. So, folks. Have fun. Enjoy life. <laughs> know that God is with you. Do what God would have you do. And even those survived this uh, last hour now who are not religiously inclined understand that freedom is at stake in this election. And don't be afraid to fight for it. Because if not you, who? Rick, I appreciate you coming on so much. It was an extremely moving and powerful message in the episode. I would have to say that I'm looking forward to coming back in November to celebrate. <laughs> we could look back at this and go, whew, we did it. We actually did it and we're going to be okay. Rick Manning, Americans for Limited Government. It's crazy that you even need to have an organization that's named Americans for Limited Government because isn't that what this whole thing was based on? Like really people? I'm the loneliest guy in DC. So 
it's a uh, maybe it's because I talk for an hour on your podcast. And I don't shut up on this stuff. But yeah, I appreciate coming on anytime you want me. I'm more than happy to join you. We'll toast. We'll have mimosas. We'll do it in the morning. We'll do a little toast at the champagne and celebration. <laughs> Excellent. Look <laughs> well, forward to it. We got this, Rick. We can do it. America, America, you got this. And that's all I'm going to say. Did you know 63% of consumers prefer to buy from purpose-driven brands and businesses that reflect their own values, beliefs, and support charitable causes? Promos for a Purpose provides business owners with ways to support worthy causes and promote their brands at the same time with its comprehensive done-for-you marketing and media program. Visit www.promosforapurpose.com for more information. You've been listening to Everything Home with Michelle Swinnick. Life, laughter, and the pursuit of happiness. To meet, learn from, and hire the experts and the guests, professionals, and members of the Everything Home Socially Conscious Referral Network and Marketplace, visit everythinghometalkshow.com slash episodes. And to listen, subscribe, rate, review, like, follow, comment, and share, go to www.everythinghometalkshow.com. And find us on all the major listening platforms. Thanks for listening. We hope you were entertained, and we hope that you picked up some real-life, tangible takeaways from some good people doing good business and good things. Till next time, this is Everything Home, signing off.